start writing some of the documentation portions, right? So I envision more walkthrough stuff because my experience has been my persona, the profile that I'm going after is a developer that I call Jeff. Jeff doesn't want to know how it works. And if Jeff has a problem, Jeff wants a slide deck, Jeff wants a PDF to walk through how to solve that problem. Hey guys, my name is Ellie Feiner and this is Stop Building, where I do my best to get founders to set aside their ID and talk to some potential users. This rarely works, but I love these conversations anyway. Hey Ken, so why don't you start by telling me a little bit about what you're building, why you're building it, what kind of problems you face in marketing, just like a little bit of an expose on what's going on. So right now I'm in the phase of uh, spec'd out my MVP, started building some things, and I said, oh, everybody says that, let's start marketing something. So I got a Twitter, and I had it, but started using it, started posting, and I guess that's where I am. In terms of what people do, like, is there a need for this product? Yes. I work for a very large company. I still do nine to five on that screen over there with that. And this is what they would need, right? I had built something very similar for them and they moved me to another project. So now I'm free to work on it. A similar concept in my own time that I'm doing completely different. We'll call it nine to five uh, work. So there's no conflict. So the goal, or my goal is to automate DevOps configurations, right? So we have lots of developers and the developers have business requirements they know data models they know the applications and then somebody comes in and says you automate everything now devops go and we're talking etl developers report writers and you know, they're up here they're not configuring GitLab. you give them a jenkins login say here make a jenkins file and they're like what are you talking about i just learned git um, I'm not saying they're bad developers. I'm just saying that they're at a much higher level from a, what their understanding is, right? Their tools are all encompassing. They work in a workflow, in a tool. Their check-ins, check-outs happen within the tool. They get paid to know business processes. They don't get paid to know, they pay claims, right? It's insurance company. They pay claims. That's their job. They know why and when to pay claims. They don't know anything about scripting. They know nothing about build jobs, YAML, stages, phases. They just don't want to know. The software slash website that I have for, for is starting with .NET because it's the de facto corporate standard these days, right? It's the new Java. You fill out a form, you get a configuration file, you copy it into your project, you're done. That's your automation, solving the problem, not teaching them anything. The related portion of that is while they're doing that work, there's going to be, and this is the part that I have to work on now, the links and stuff here. This is how you learn this stuff because they're going to want to learn it. Maybe I've been doing it for five years for this company. One person has wanted to learn it. The rest just wanted to work. They don't care how it's done, they just, and in this particular case, the software that we wrote doesn't give them configuration, doesn't do that, it literally does it for them, right? Like we have a web app, they go, I got a project, here it is, and they hit a button, and then everything is automated for them. They don't have to do any of the work. 
They like that. That's that's the way it goes. I want to deploy it to this server. Button done. So what I'm proposing is similar workflow, but give them the actual configuration. I have to paste it in because I'm not, you know, a website's not internal to their infrastructure like our applications. So, awesome. So in terms of marketing, I've tweeted. And how has that been going? Yeah, I had a hundred followers. I did the tweet. What is it? TS thirty tweet tweet streak thirty, which was very good for me learning. You know, things like that, I'll call the basics. And I picked up a bunch of followers, I think that are core to what I do. And then for the past month, I've tried to don't like, so I was doing, I think four tweets per day, plus a bunch of comments. And it was like, oh, you don't need to comment on it. You just need to comment, forget about your tweets. I did that for a month and got exactly what I expected, nothing. So I'm going back to the core, because what I was trying to do is get the ideas across from an automation perspective right? That people don't want to learn how to do it. They just want it done because they have a boss sitting on their head saying this project needs to be done by Thursday. I don't care. Just get it done. Uh, so if somebody can go click, copy, paste, done all day, they'll use that all day long because they do it every day. So is, is your question, I got this thing that I built for a company being used it I, used well how do i market it how do i sell it to I, other companies i guess my question is like i'm going to start writing some of the documentation portions right so i envision more walkthrough stuff because my experience has been my persona the profile that i'm going after is a developer that i call jeff jeff doesn't want to know how it works and if jeff has a problem jeff wants a slide deck jeff wants a pdf to walk through how to solve that problem he doesn't want anything else and you give him a step-by-step -step tutorial, he'll do it. And if it deviates, if his scenario deviates from the tutorial, he'll call you back. That, that has been my experience for approximately 10 years. These applications that are going to configure various things, initially Jenkins only, .NET, plus SQL files, right? So those are the three targets that I call them automation. There's the help on the side that's going to help them. That is my plan. That is the marketing, right? So I have an app. Then here's like a walkthrough on how to do it in Jenkins. Here's the walkthrough on whatever the, the tutorials are to get them there. So my thought process is though that's the marketing, right? We support this now. And here's the you could break out pieces of that from the perspective of, hey, did you know you could do this? You know, get all the things. And that's as far as I got. So the features are the marketing. You build a well, feature, you I think publish the it somewhere. Is like publishing of the documentation is the marketing. That was my thought that because I can't show I can show somebody a picture, right? Pictures are cool. But I could say, if you want to do this, follow this, right? That on Twitter it'd be like, here's a bunch of steps, but then you can go download the actual thing, which would be PDF slash PowerPoint, whatever the format is. And that's the so-called marketing. Again, well, as far as I got. It's a really interesting problem because you actually do know the people you are marketing to and you've worked with these people, right? You're, these are like app developers and you're the, the DevOps guy providing them service within a single company in my understanding. And after, after doing this manually for a bunch of, uh, for a yeah. bunch of uh, years, you built 
some layers of automation to provide them that service and, and give them that script, those scripts and even set up the things they need with as little effort as possible. It's just you. a web form. They type in so some stuff and it here's, here's the first. So here's the first question. Is your client a developer? Is it a DevOps person who wants to stop doing things manually for the developers? Is it a development manager who oversees both app developers and DevOps who wants things to move quicker and smoother? Who's Who cares? I think there's the customer is the director that's buying software. Um, the user is Jeff who just found the website because he's got to be done. Type his stuff in. And it's nothing, it's like project name, branch. There's not, it's not magical stuff. And it just produces what he needs for the target that he needs. Oh, we're using GitLab. Drop down GitLab, boop, there's the config for that. He just copies and pastes and he's done. He gets the job done. So in terms of paying for it, now you get into, I don't know, right? MVP, there's no save button. There's no anything. It just produces it, you copy it, move on. The thought process being that if there's the associated walkthroughs and help, the website will gain traffic, right? There's just some, there has to be some blog or something that's going to bring people in, that gives you that, that exposure. But in terms of saving it, uh, in terms of charging for it, the model, I haven't thought that through yet, right? I figured, oh, we'd have a save button because I don't even know if people are actually going to use it. I know they use it every day because they're in a company, 70,000 people, and like 10,000 of them are developers. And they're just like, I don't want to do this other crap. That's nonsense, right? Literally one person has reached out to be like, hey, how does that work? Everybody else just uses it. They don't care. And to me, that was like a revelation because I would be a guy wanting to know how it works. What's going on in there? And yeah. Nobody cares. They're like, the web app. Like this field doesn't work right. You're like, all right, why are you putting spaces in your file names? It's like they don't care. So I was like, I wonder how many more people are in the world that don't care. And my bet is there's a lot more that don't care that don't. There's some it seems to be a very big difference between the thing that you build for for a large company with 70,000 people in it, where the marketing for using that tool is the DevOps team, right? Oh, you need to do to get this done. Here's the link. Yeah, I don't think it's right. the DevOps team. I think it's the developer. Sure. Other developers. You need to do you, but yeah, it's, it's, not, it's like, like it's like internal. Who knows how to do it? Yeah, no. This so here's my kind of perspective on this. An internal tool has a certain dynamic of how it gets distributed and used within the company, right? It's still quote unquote marketing. People need to learn about it, mm -hmm. but within an organization, there is both a little bit of virality or maybe a lot, like one developer tried to use it. Oh, it's cool. And he tells the other people on his team, listen, if you need to do this, use this link or someone else on a daily standup asks, Hey, how do I do this thing? And it's like, Oh, go to this website. You got everything there. Right. So that there's a little bit of, or maybe a lot of virality. There's also a lot of trust because it's an internal tool. It's built to support the developers within this particular organization. Yep. It might even be at some point coming from through the you layers have. of bureaucracy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> these, this is how you do these things. That's happened. Obviously, because when it works, it's like quicker than reaching out to anybody in DevOps or trying to figure it out yourself. 
and like you said, it's a very large organization, lots of developers, it's impossible for all of them to get support from usually a tiny DevOps kind of expert mm -hmm. team. So this kind of replaces that. And the leap from that to a public service that is online is not clear, right? Because you have the, the thing that's working in an organization is you have a concentration of people with the same kind of needs at the same time in the same place that are also talking to each other because they're on meetings with each other all the time, yep. right? So the, there is a lot of exchange of information going and it becomes this internal kind of company lore that this is the way things are done. So, and also it replaces the previous method of doing this, which is asking people and looking for someone who actually knows how to do this, which is really bothersome to the people who know how to do this. So the people who do know how to do this have a very powerful incentive to stop explaining people how to do this, but to send them a link. So yeah. imagine the link or the various links get sent a lot over Slack or email or whatever it is, Microsoft Teams or whatever it is that's uh, being used there. So you have a natural dissemination of this within the company. When you go public, it is no longer the case that you put something online and people find it. My, my first startup was almost 20 years ago. We built a thing, we put a web page on and people just came to us. There was no need for anything more specific than that. We get about a problem that we needed to solve. We solved the problem, put up a, a, a web page. It was, it was the good old days. These good old days are gone because the barrier of entry to create an app, to, to build a system, to set up a landing page, to do all these things is so low. And the barrier of entry to do even like basic or even somewhat sophisticated SEO is so low that you're competing with impossible odds for people to find you unless you are you really understand the niche the people looking for it like the wording they would use the, the whole thing so unfortunately your initial approach of i'll just put it out there and i'll add documentation and bits and people will just find it that's not even true for questions on stack overflow anymore <laughs> right so even that doesn't just work. You answer a question on Stack Overflow, people don't necessarily stumble on it because right. search is not working as well as it used to. And with the new kind of push towards ChatGPT and other AIs, search is not even the primary way people are looking for these things, right? So these days, like, how do I configure Jenkins to do this and this? You can get an answer from ChatGPT. The problem is it's going to be wrong in subtle ways that you can't figure out if you don't know what you're doing. So there's value to what you're offering, but that's not the way people seem to be looking for that information anymore. On the other hand, your experience and the thing you built is actually for very large organizations with a very painful problem of this mm -hmm. kind. Now, you're a solo guy. So selling to large organizations is going to be difficult, but let's just, but let's just play around with this for a second because it's the obvious fit, right? If the obvious fit is another organization with tens of thousands of people and maybe five or 10,000 developers in the organization, maybe a, and maybe a hundred people who actually know how to config these things who are busy and working 14 hour days. So you just in theory, 
if you find another organization and you find an in and you get them to trust you to be able to build this out for them and all that you basically you make two sales and you're set for life right? that's the kind of that's the kind of thing it is now you're not just a guy from the street who just built a thing and thinks he can sell it to a corporation you you grew up within it you mm -hmm. know how it works from the, within your your white hair and your white beard gives you credibility and also shows you've been doing this for a number of years where I, I assume a number of decades like i have and ready to be exact yes and you have a very successful deployment of this thing or let's say a similar thing a similar idea at, right. a, at the company you have worked at so the simplest way to to do this and that is not what you had in mind so push back on it if you want but the simplest way to do this is to find a way to build a similar project custom built for a different large organization that is adjacent adjacent could be in the same industry or even better if someone from say the devops team actually moves from one to the other you know gets an upgrade from being a, whatever like a, a tech person to a lead uh, position or a low level or mid kind of mid level management kind of to a higher position at a similar company where they would do guys are you still answering these questions on uh, Microsoft team manually sending scripts. There's the, there's a way to do this. And here, I know this guy, Kenneth, who can build it for us. Let's hire him. He'll set it up and then we won't need to do it anymore. Something like that. Something where, and obviously you'll reuse the code, you'll reuse right. the knowledge and you'll have built it for two companies and then you can build it for the third and you can maybe build it for the fourth. But these are massive projects. In terms of actually, in terms of payment, not in terms of work necessarily, because the work, a lot of the work has been done already, right? You like you, and what hasn't been done, you have thought deeply about it. So there's a lot of it that's ready. That's the kind of the obvious way for this to work because there is obvious. I'm always talking about product market fit, and what we as developers do so much, it's awful to look at is that we find something that has product market fit and then we say but i want something else yeah and i want something else because i have this idea of what a startup is or what a company is or what my service could be like or what my passive income is going to be like right like we're looking for these things so we take something that works and we turn it into something that doesn't work and i've done this myself i've done it twice <laughs> so in this case what you have that's working is a custom tailored solution for a very large organization that is pushed and i'm guessing here but uh, that is pushed and nudged by the people who used to do this manually we pushed them because yeah. big org right you got windows server guys linux server guys, like just teams big silos yeah. so we were brought in from the development teams and bringing it up because they were done making well, it. You came, you came in from like the develop from the app development side, but you have, you know how these things, how the right. devops. So I used to be at a small company. A couple hundred where you did everything? Where I did the DevOps stuff. Hired here, gotcha. my reasoning being that there's more bigger companies than there are small software companies. 
like at least where I live. So yeah. this is so all. Did you need to convince the DevOps team to adopt? Nope. So I was hired this, or? the DevOps team. Oh, okay. Then we built it out to max five people. And then our company was acquired by this. And we were about 5,000, which was a very nice size. And then we were acquired by the very large national company. Gotcha. So now we're, you know, here and they're like, oh, you need to do this over here now. And this project is no longer because the New York health plan, they use that. That's right. done. Now we're over here doing other things for much larger groups, right? So the group I'm in now has 600 developers in it. Like, that's the group. It's, yeah, it's yeah. big organizations. It's just the so what I'm saying is more. Exactly. And, and what worked very nicely in that kind of environment when you when you try to translate into the public sphere and the public internet a couple of things happen first of all the money disappears <laughs> right uh -huh. getting people to pay like at the very least you were being paid a full-time salary to work on this but Absolutely. so, th so there was money in it and if you were a contractor or an external company doing this for them they would have paid five or ten times more because the necessity is there if you can do it for a salary then you do it for a salary but it, if they hire an outside someone to do it then it usually costs just a lot more it's also a different pocket <laughs> right? like headcount and actual business expenses are not the same yeah. budget line so it's easier to spend more there and when you move to the public sphere and you want to offer this to every developer a, a few things change first like i said money disappears you're no longer tied into what makes money for the mm -hmm. company you're just trying like it's dev who works for a company like right. how can employees typically don't spend their own money on tools. So you instantly lose that. The second thing you lose is large corporations don't typically trust the broader internet. So you're targeting smaller companies. Smaller companies may not have the same pain in the same way. Mm -hmm. They may not have as many projects going on at the same time that require the kind of DevOps setup. And therefore this does not occur as frequently. And therefore it's not that big of a of a deal. You, you lose that kind of focus and, and the product market fit you had. And the third thing I think you're losing is trust because if, when you build it for an organization, for example, that works with .NET and certain setups and certainly paid for certain tools, and there's a certain technological environment, and there's a certain philosophical environment about how things are set up and how they're used, then there is a certain amount of trust that whatever you built, whatever the website does and whatever it offers works within the context of the organization. It's even if it's not the official tool, it's this is the way things are done. And therefore people are, and this is a guess, but I think it's an educated guess. People would be happy to trust the system to offer the right scripts. Much harder. Exactly. If my stuff breaks at this point and go, hey, his stuff broke, make him fix his, then I'll get my job done. Exactly. And within the context of a public service online, which again, probably is free, then the trust is needs to be earned and earning trust is a very slow process. Many people need to say that this is freaking awesome and it mm -hmm. always delivers the right result across a very broad range of technologies in, in a very broad range of circumstances, which brings us to the fourth point that you now need to solve for a very broad set of circumstances, which is much harder because different companies have different setups, different ways to even spin up 
boxes. If, even that, everyone has their own peculiar way. They have their own security measures in place, their own philo philosophies. So the transition is definitely non-trivial. And that's why my kind of previous idea was it would probably replicate well to organizations in the same style of the same size who have the same kind of problem. The problem there is obviously the longer sales cycle. How do you get a foot in? Who do you need to be said? You have the users, but you have the, the customers who are paying. These are different people. They speak a, a different language. Uh, convincing users to use and convincing managers to pay uh, are two very distinct things. And maybe you would even need to partner with someone who already sells to organizations like that. Because going, going solo at it is, is not easy. Right. It's just not. I'm not an enterprise salesman. Exactly. Exactly. And you're not likely to become one just because no. you need to. <laughs> I, I, like, I could teach you how to sell to small companies and maybe consumers. I couldn't help you. And I don't think you'd want to become because yeah. And the sales cycles are very long. Oh, I've been on the buying side. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It takes six months to approve a budget and then the year is over and you're over to the next budget. And then the whole cycle starts again. The whole thing is, it's just, it's a different style. Very few solo entrepreneurs are able to make that work. And, but again, if you do make that work, it's from within the people within this organization through your network and through just your technical connections and the people, yeah. you know, people in adjacent organizations, and then you approach them and then maybe you make a POC there, which is free and doesn't require any budget or approval. And you make it work within a small team within that organization. And it's, oh, this is really awesome. Let's expand that and so on and so forth. But the other thing is that in large organizations, it's never a shrink wrap product. Like it just never works. It's always customized. It's always with an SLA and support and all that. So it's, that's the kind of thing you're looking at. And it doesn't sound like what you want. The other direction in which you could take this, and this is actually a little more than we can talk here is to take the thing that you built, break it down into its individual features or individual things that it can do, and then look at every feature individually and see who it can be useful for and what kind of circumstances, and look for completely other ways this could be used and framed. Like I can't tell you what that's going to be because it's, a, it's like a, an exploratory process. Mm -hmm. But what you can find is a reaming or a repositioning of, of what you've built for a different market, for a different kind of need. And again, it's I'm being a little vague right now on purpose, but also not on purpose because I don't have an idea what the result would be. I have this little five-day course that can take you through the steps if you want. It's like a short kind of email course videos, a little bit of uh, exercise that can take you some of the way through that. And the result is, oh, no, here's an example. I had one client who had, who built like an HTML form builder, right? You can, you build your fields, you, you build nations, and there is an API you can use to just submit things into the form. Yes. Fairly standard stuff. He was trying to sell it for, I think, 20 bucks a month for developers, couldn't make it work for the life of him. We worked for a little while. 
on this process, figuring out where things can be applied. And we realized together that lawyers who serve as small companies have a lot of forms they need to fill out. They need their clients to fill out, right? And usually it's done with paper forms and PDF forms and, and so on. But it turns out that the features in the form builder were actually pretty close to being a right. form, like a legal form thing. Throw in a little bit of PDF parsing, throw in a little bit of communication between the lawyer and their client, and suddenly you have a completely different product. And as this guy was talking to lawyers, it turns out that they would be happy to pay hundreds of dollars per month for that kind of setup. And the difference in the tech was maybe 5 or 10%. So that's the kind of thing I'm, I'm talking about. You can use the same ideas, the same approach, the same thing in a completely different context that is a much easier business to, to get off the ground. Yeah. yeah. And then there is a question of how do you market that? But if you're marketing as a solo entrepreneur to smaller organizations, it becomes easier. Right. And then what you're doing on Twitter can become meaningful because right now you're tweeting, but you're tweeting into the void because the kind of people like a director of R&D in a large organization, you would not find them on Twitter because they're just not there. Yeah. You might find devs, maybe not the kind of thing that would get you closer to make this. Yeah. I'm sorry to know your business. It's a sometimes, huh? yeah, sometimes the thing that we think is going is seems obvious is not. Yeah. No, I wrote down that the biggest thing to, that, aside from the obvious stuff, yeah, no way was I envisioning selling into an enterprise, right? That's not, that's just not a thing. But, and the big reason I wrote down is the trust, right? Because that was the key point that I got from it that, yeah, I built it, but in this bubble, there was trust in the bubble, right? So yeah. you're right. People go, oh, set it up and click and boom. And they got a problem. They call me. Right? That's the other thing, right? They they know who you are. They know yeah. who to call. You are within the organization. The kind of the yeah. trust is built in by the fact that you have an internal email. <laughs> it's different. Just dealing with it now. His password doesn't work. Somebody changed it. In the past 364 days since they last did the deploy to this database, somebody changed the password. It wasn't me, but now I got to go find who did it and get the exactly. real one. There's exactly. a process for that. It's annoying. But yeah, I definitely have a lot to think about. Yeah. I still like the concept, right? I think, and I'm not being beholden to a particular implementation of anything. I like the concept of click, boom, now I can do a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, for sure. So I there is a, there is an inkling of value or the, you know what? There's not an inkling. There's actual value. In there's value, but like you said, yeah, in another place. In a particular context. Exactly. Yeah. That's in a particular context with the added things that you're there in person. That I'm not going to be. Yeah. I'm not going to the next place. Yeah. I've seen it a bunch of times in general where internal tools become packaged as something that can be bought off the shelf. Like a lot of things, mm -hmm. monitoring, logging servers, right. like all of these, like if you go 40 or 50 years back, everybody was building everything from scratch, right? The whole idea that you can buy a product that, that is a database is ridiculous or was ridiculous back in the day, everything was built from the ground up. So 
the direction is obviously valid. There is this there's a need of some problem. There is this problem that has internal solutions. Can this be solved with a product? But in order for you to know what the problem is, how it looks like, what kind of solutions people tried and what kind of solution people would buy, you would actually need to explore multiple organizations of different sizes to, to get a sense of, of what people do. Because in some cases, the world just isn't ready for a product <laughs> and it's still it's still very much an internal thing so yep. i don't know it's because the things that you the things that you configure with this with the system they depend on so many internal bits and how things are set up that you'd either need to build something that what whatever devops in the company, they need to fill out the templates or build the templates themselves because things change from organization to organization. And then would they prefer to do that or build a complete system from there from scratch? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Or you would need to go even further and build a whole, which is basically what GitLab have done, right? They build a whole CI system end to end that you don't need to configure these bits. So, so our system integrates with GitLab nicely because they've done such a great job. Such Where a great job. That, developer yeah. goes off, enters in a bunch of information into our forms. We use their APIs for their projects. So when they go do a build, it literally calls our system. We dynamically generate their GitLab YAML file back to them. And they run and do the stuff. So the developers are like, this is great. I have to learn crap. I hit a button and stuff happens. So here's just from talking about this, here's an idea that could be a product, which you sell as an add-on to GitLab, a GitLab well, paid product. You right? said break things down. So I was, you know, exactly. Well, you, you, like you, you just take that, right? You, yeah. don't, you don't actually focus on .NET or whatever you focus on GitLab and GitLab because of its richness also mm -hmm. has complexity right yep. so you have so you build something that the devops team can say okay these are the seven tasks people commonly do here's the template that connects it to gitlab here's like when there's a built-in ui for devs to click, yeah, click. Hit the button, and it's yeah hit the button it integrates with gitlab there's ssl there the whole thing kind of enter enterprise and because they're already paying um gitlab a chunk of money per month or per year for their services right because it has a free version but enterprises usually use like a yeah. free. you are also yeah you're also playing in a field that's adjacent to money and because yeah. it's money is already being spent yeah. there portion of that money or in addition to that money could be spent on what you're selling which Just is an extension and addition and it's a, yeah yeah and, and it, it's probably a fairly easy claim to make that GitLab is awesome, but for the run-of-the-mill app developer, understanding these things and setting these things up is way too complicated. So we want to simplify yep. and not have DevOps do the mundane click on GitLab to set these things up and also avoid teaching app developers how to do this because, like you said, no one wants to do that. Uh, so it's like a middle ground, and that's a very interesting yeah. position to have. Obviously, in order to to see if that's a valid thing, if people would want it, if we can jigger it into it. But yeah, yeah. But I like to, like you said, the kind of, they're already spending the money. 
Oh, we're going to do all this. Oh, and Joe said, you need that. Check. That's an extra. And also, whatever it is. It's exa just, exactly. And yeah. also, your channels become fairly obvious because GitLab has forums and probably Discord mm -hmm. chats and conferences and whatnot. Like, you're focusing yeah. around that. Your exit strategy becomes obvious because it's like a GitLab by me. <laughs> the whole thing falls into place with just one caveat. If GitLab are doing something like this right. at the same time as well, then that might not work. But even if they are and you do a better job, then it might be worthwhile for them to, to buy you out. Thanks for listening. If you want to be a guest on the show and talk through the problems you're facing with your business, you can send me a message on Twitter at FinerElly. My DMs are always open. And if you're ready for some deeper work, I can actually help you find product market fit for whatever it is you're building. You can find details about how this works, how much it costs, and what I can promise you on my website at growthlab.so. See you next time.